This is the Gallinach Masters Cycling Podcast. I'm Norman Blissett, your host for the show. Gallinach Masters Cycling is a global community of 50 years and older cyclists who support each other to love life through riding our bikes. Each week we share inspiring stories from our riders around the world, showcase great places to ride our bikes and give tips to help you get fitter, healthier and more confident on the bike. Welcome everyone to the latest Gallinac Master Cycling Podcast. I'm Norman Blissett and I'm with Chris Foggin, Coach Foggy from New Zealand. Hi Foggy, how are you doing? Yeah, kia ora. Uh, very good, thank you. Awesome. And Foggy, you've got some very special guests sitting next to you today. Yes, I do. I have two uh, lovely friends of mine from the North Island, John and Roy Speed. Um, we met a few years ago through cycling um, and they've got a pretty awesome story to tell about you know, their journey. Fantastic, fantastic. So the story is, where, where does it start? Should we start at the beginning, roughly at the beginning? Where does, where does your story in cycling begin? Hand over to these two to do it. Yeah. Well, I guess roughly the beginning uh, for us in New Zealand was we, our son-in-law talked us into having a crack, just riding very basically, and we we didn't own bikes at all at that stage, but he talked us into buying basic, very basic bikes. And we thought, well, if we're going to get back into this, because we were at that stage 67 years of age, and we neither of us had ridden bikes, well, at all seriously in our whole lives. But as kids, of course, we rode bikes when we were 13, 14, 15. So getting back into it later in life, we thought we should learn a little bit about safety and how to look after a bike. And that's where we met this gentleman, Mr. Foggin, who literally changed our lives after, probably after the first little session we had with him. And after the second session, he said, Oh, by the way, they're opening a velodrome in Cambridge. Why don't you come along and have a look? Now, there'd been a lot of controversy about this velodrome because, well, money was being spent and a lot of people said, ah, you know, it's only for the elite riders, nothing to do with the general public. Well, Foggy talked us into going along and... What happened next, Roy? You can sort of tell from your point of view. Well, we went along and we saw this absolutely terrifying steep banking and we were standing there looking at it feeling quite sick as you look down and um, Foggy said, oh, you know, there's have-a-go sessions for the people who are over 50s. And I said, well, yeah, how about the over 65s? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's all right. You can go along to that and... The pressure went on, so we agreed to go along and do a have-a-go session. And prior to that, I was having nightmares about it. I thought this is just the craziest thing we've ever done. But we duly went along, and there were only two of us with the coach doing that first have-a-go session, and after one hour we thought, 
wow, this is the most exciting, thrilling thing we've ever done. We decided that it, it looked like something that we would really enjoy. We could, we thought we could do it. So to become accredited to ride the velodrome, the track, by ourselves, we went through four stages of lessons and we passed the first stage and we thought, oh, that's good. So we repeated that just because we wanted to make sure that we were on the right track and then we did the second and third and fourth and finally were to a stage where we would be allowed to ride on the track without supervision. But part of our reasoning behind this, not only was it to get fit and obviously get fit doing something we enjoyed and I hate running, I've never been a runner, so that was never on my radar as far as fitness. But the social angle, we were, I guess as we'd gotten older and left work and the kids had left home, we started to feel a little bit socially isolated, I think you could say. Yeah, well, yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to interrupt there because what they don't know is I'm also a running coach. (laughs) <laughs> You'll never Forget win. it. You won't Just win on that one. <laughs> Forget <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. But so we, uh, the the CEO of the velodrome at that time said, oh, well, there's, there is a guy, a retired fellow, who runs basically a social riding group. So he said, get in touch with this other fellow, Tony. So we got in touch with Tony and At that point in time, his group was so popular, there was a waiting list to get into his one-hour sessions. But anyway, we eventually got in, and it turned out that, like us, a lot of the people were retired folk that were newly accredited to ride the track. And after a very short period of time, we also discovered that we also had another thing in common, and that was drinking coffee. So it turned out very largely that we would ride on the track for one hour and then we'd go and sit in the cafe for, well, at least an hour and you know, discuss the riding and discuss the, the affairs of the world, but generally just to sit and and relax and, and enjoy socialize. the company and socialise. So that, so this is um, this is how you got into cycling. So you came in, you came into it quite quite well, relatively late at, at um, sixty seven, I think you said. Um, yeah, so yeah. when did when did you realise that there might be some competition in your lives? <laughs> well, no. yeah, now, now that is that's a very very good point. We've always said. We are not in it. We're not competitive. Uh-huh. We are not competitive. We're not in this for the competition. But as I'm sure a lot of people would agree, once you get on a bike, then you think, oh, I'm sure I could go a little bit faster. And then your partner or who you're riding with goes a little bit faster. And yes, it does become competitive. Uh, and yeah, so I might I might ask the, um, John and Roy to tell tell the the audience what happened at the World Masters Games. 
So the World Masters Games were here in... 2017. 17. So we each entered oh, two or three or four... No, just two. Well, just a two just events. Two just two events. events. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Um, socially, it was it was great. It was excellent. Um, I had a great time. That would be the limit of my experience. However, Roy picked up two silver medals that she... That comes with a, 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 a rider because there were only two in the group. <laughs> now don't, don't, don't play down your achievements, Roy. So what, well, what were they... no, and in actual fact, I got personal beasts both times. And, okay, there was only two of us. So I came second, but there was no one else out there doing it. So Abs- Absolutely. So what, what were the two events? Um, the 2,000-metre individual pursuit and a 500-metre time trial. So just to, just to put some clarity on this, this is only about three years after they started riding at the velodrome. That's an incredible achievement. And we know that the, the lady that came first in both of those travelled the world chasing around cycling mm. you know, events all over the world. So... Yeah, that well, with, it was it was a brilliant achievement, a really really good achievement. And then of course she got the a little bit of the bag of competition. <laughs> so, with a lot of persuasion from the uh, one of the other coaches at the, the track, um, the there were with the UCI age group world records, the one-hour record, seemed to get into this other fellow's mind and he thought, why doesn't Roy have a crack at this hour record? Well, Roy was just about having kittens at the mere thought of this. But anyway, Michael persevered and pushed and Roy eventually gave in and after a huge commitment of training and going through all of the um, VO2 um, processes and a lot of workers, you know, everyone, you know the amount of work that goes into that. So indeed, Roy lines up on the track and had a really, really good lot of turnout of supporters. And she set a world record for the 70 to 74-year-old age group, which, again, was, well, Roy, she downplays it, of course, but, yeah, a fantastic achievement for the amount of time that we had been riding bikes of any sort. So what, what distance did you do, Roy, in your hour? Uh, 36.581. Oh, the, yeah, yeah. You ask a world record holder what the record is, they know it exactly, don't they? <laughs> right down to the centre, right down to the centimetre. Fanta- yeah, fantastic. T- tell me what that that experience. I mean, I've I've heard um, other world hour record holders describe the hour and how hard it is. Um, you know, the pain yes, barriers that you have to go through to do it. Yeah, you've you've just got to focus on every lap. And holding your line and 
And it was brilliant having the coach there. He, he didn't call times, but he just would call steady or hold it or breathe or relax or slow down. Just we knew what, you know, you didn't want to go out too fast, so you're going to, to fizzle out. Um, and um, I've got 10 grandchildren, so in my head I counted 10 laps for each grandchild. So that got me to 100 and then I just couldn't count anymore. I just kept battling. So I told my kids I need, need some more children so I can count up to 150 laps, but they're not playing ball. You know, beyond that sort of, um, it, um, John and Roy uh, give back a lot to the velodrome now. Um, you want to talk a bit about your so coaching? After we became accredited, got accredited and started riding socially with uh what turned out to be basically a group of masters, we would be going down ourselves and riding two or three times a week. So the CEO at the time said, well, you spend so much time down here at the track, you may as well learn to be coaches so that you can coach other people to ride on the track. So they put us through, or well, the, the velodrome people put us through the Cycling New Zealand coaches course and uh, Mr. Foggin was the uh, ringleader of that uh, particular outfit. Um, so, yes, we, we became uh, accredited, safely New Zealand accredited track coaches, and we still do this. We still enjoy um, coaching other people basically how to ride on the track. We don't go into teaching the... Um, the sport, the stars, we really like teaching the, the, the newbies, the new people that think, well, oh, this is too hard for us or, well, we're a bit scared or whatever. But the enjoyment we get out of it, when you take on a group of people who, some of them might be experienced road riders or even mountain bikers, but one or two that have been talked into coming along and after an hour session, when you can get those people riding up on the boards with the grins on their faces, when they start, when they really get the idea, the, the grins and the, the happiness that those people show is just so rewarding as a coach. It's just absolutely brilliant. Yeah, we, we love the coaching side of it as well. And since that time... Um, we've also started now a session that is only for, for the master's riders, and we have that during the daytime, not at night, so it restricts it mostly to retired people or people who can organise their time. And we have a group of um, mostly guys, but a few women come along as well. So we ride for an hour, and we call it fun and fitness. So there's not a lot of serious racing but there's opportunity for people to that really want to let rip. There's opportunity for them, but it's something that we make all inclusive. So we make sure that even some of one of our guys is I think 82 years old, uh, and he's got two or three really fast laps in him. So we make sure that we include all of the people to to ride to their. Not not necessarily to their full extent, but to a point where they are 
they're very happy, they're engaged, they're enjoying coming along. And then we retire to the cafe for the um, mandatory coffee and cake after that. So I'll also ask um, yeah, John Royce, where, where else um, your cycling uh, passion has ended up? Um, well, it's not just the track, is it? No, well, through Foggy. Um, oh, it's not through me. It, it, it was, was through you. Um, <laughs> it's going to be an argument. One now. day he was in the gym there and we must have <laughs> leaned on the rail to talk to him. And he said, oh, you know, on Sunday mornings there's a, a road riding group goes out from the velodrome called Twisted Wheels and um, why don't you come along? And we thought, did we have road bikes? Yes, we had just got... Very basic. We'd, got, we'd been back over into London where our, our son and daughter, daughter and son-in-law were and we'd got... Um, what are the ones from... Yeah, from from Halford? The Carrera from Halford, basic road bikes, we brought them back to New Zealand. So that's what we had. And we went out with Foggy's group on a Sunday morning. And I think the first time you took us up to Miro Hill. Which oh, it was only a little hill. It's <laughs> like a very slight undulation. If he calls an undulation, it's a mountain. But um, mm. yeah. And so then we just kept going back every Sunday morning. And, I mean, with Foggy there, it was a very inclusive group. No one got dropped. You rode as a bunch and you chatted and it was very social and there were a couple of stops along the way for some jelly beans and what have you. Then we upgraded our road bikes, of course, because we had to have better road bikes. And so, we, yeah, so we've just kept up with that. We do Sometimes we'll do a road ride ourselves midweek but mostly it's just the, the Sunday one because we're busy with the track. So, so John and Roy have gone uh, N plus one. They've gone past N plus two. Um, I'll now ask them to talk about um, what their N plus three is, which is their current, their current um, <laughs> so machines. We started off buying, at the velodrome, you could, we could hire a bike at the velodrome, just a, a basic bike. So then we bought our own fairly basic bikes that we could um, alter and adjust a little bit. So then I decided to go a bit further. So I had a Planet X bike um, pro carbon imported over into New Zealand for me. And then a little bit later, about two years later, Roy also... Well, maybe one year later, um, I managed to convince Roy that she needed a better bike. So... She also has now a Planet X bike. And then we started this uh, the road business. So, well, we had to get better bikes. So we got a couple of very nice uh, full carbon frame locally made bikes, Avanti bikes in New Zealand. Um, and then, oh, well, we... <laughs> It, it, it kind of snowballed, and to a, quite a good degree, Foggy is responsible for this. Sorry. So just very recently, we somehow managed to acquire a pair of Planet X um, Tempest titanium gravel bikes. So now we're just... We're really... We're beginning of that, Jim. We're beginning, really beginners into gravel biking, but... 
New Zealand has got the most amazing network of tracks that are absolutely... Oh, Breathtaking scenery. Yeah, scenery. Mm. But a lovely surface for gravel bikes. There are lots and lots and lots of mountain bikes, but um, at our age, we are very reluctant to get out on the, the tricky mountain bike trails. Um, so many of our friends, they ride mountain bikes and trees jump out at them and big rocks jump out at them. And then they can't ride for two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, and they've got broken bones. So we think gravel bikes, which basically, as you know, you know, they're only suitable for relatively smooth, level-ish tracks. Um, and that's just what we've been doing more over the last few weeks, really. We've only had these bikes for a few weeks. So, so I lost count. I lost count along the way there. So between the two of you, how many bikes have you got? Well, see, that also leads up to the N plus one business where um, although <laughs> we started off with our Halfords road bikes, they're still in the shed as well. So then we, uh, how many bikes all together now? We must have oh, each probably two, four, we must have about six bikes each now. Um, several of them rarely get ridden, but some of them we actually leave set up on our, our trainer in the garage. So, you know, if, if it's raining or whatever, we can sit on the on one of the other bikes on a turbo and we belong to a subscription to one of the, um, you know, various things that you can pay to join and ride along and look at the scenery and at the same time relax but keep fit so i think that so sounds like, like an optimum setup there sick that that sounds what you described very similar to my setup there yeah <laughs> okay. they, 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 their garage is amazing but they, um there is a, a, a sort of a, a slight downside to this wee tail um, and I'll start the process off with John and Roy own a property was about eight, was it eight nine acres. Yeah. Um, so and they've got you know they had pristine gardens and they've got fruit for Africa and they've got uh, stuff growing everywhere and beautiful trees and everything else. So what's the downside to the cycling mm. story? Yeah, the garden is a sad <laughs> state. <laughs> There's just not enough hours in the day and cycling's more fun. So. Mm. Well, I, I should have I'm Sorry? sure the wildlife. I'm sure the wildlife appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. um, we keep the veggie garden and the orchard going, but the the ornamental garden is history. Yeah. <laughs> Just um, one other point on uh, going back to the track. There's apparently, and I'm not party to this, but apparently there's a saying that you're not a true cyclist until you've broken a, a collarbone. So, unfortunately, literally, 10 days after Roy had set her world record, she got taken out on the track and broke her collarbone. And it was in such a position, and also partly because of age, but the, the surgeons at the local hospital wouldn't operate. And after a year of almost continual pain, or certainly continual discomfort, 
Um, finally, we got hold of a surgeon who was prepared to operate and immediately, almost immediately, relief from the pain and yeah. discomfort. Mm. So, yeah, so she's a true cyclist. I still haven't broken a bone. Oh, no, no, no. But no. I, no I, don't do that. Oh, no, I'm not yeah, interested. Are you rating, in, are you rating <laughs> tomorrow? No. <laughs> <laughs> Get yeah. the ambulance at the ready then, just in case. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I, be I'm not, we went we went out today for a little a little wee ride. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So what what are the plans? Any any future plans for races, world records? Uh, I I possibly will look at because I'm now in the next age group. Uh, I'll be seventy five this year. Um, and I could have done it this year, but I just was too busy and I didn't have time to train. But, um, yeah, I'll probably have a, have another go next year. Mm. I, need, I need to do a lot more. I'm just not as fit as I was then by a long shot, so I've just got to start to, to get back. Mm. And what, what would be a time scale, do you think, to get to the level of fitness that you need to be at to, to get the world record? How long would you need? From the time that it was suggested, well, I agreed to it, it was four months of six days a week. So you'd be thinking about something the same for the next Yeah, week. I would think. Well, yes, yeah. I'm going to build up a bit first. I mean, I haven't even made the decision or talked about it with Michael, but um, it's, it's in the back of my head. I think I can see it coming towards the front as we speak. Yeah, it's not in the back of my head. It's well at the front. <laughs> yeah. uh, these two are pretty humble about what they've, what they've achieved. It's, it is awesome. And even at the uh, what the, the main velodrome in Cambridge in New Zealand was called the Avantidrome. I think it's going to change its name soon. But um, they've got um, this, one of the sponsors have got a massive picture of these two on the wall as you go down the public tunnel to the, into the, the drome itself. So they, they're part of the furniture of the place. So they're pretty humble about what they've achieved. They are just awesome. And, you know, for me, it proves it proves to everyone around the world that, you know, cycling's ageless. You can start learn new skills pretty much at any age. That, um, that picture they've got there, they've got a slogan on it. It says, change tomorrow today. Mm-hmm. And literally the day that we did that first ride, it's changed all our tomorrows. We're clearly fitter than we would have been probably since we were at school. We've got a social group of friends that we would would not have had had we not gone along not and, and started both at both at the velodrome and on the road riding group. So trying we're not trying to, but keeping in with both of those groups, we just don't have time to be spending at home. We, you know, it's it's just get on your bike, get on your bike. Which, yeah, I mean, it's got to be good for us. It's yeah. got it's, it's bound to be excellent for you, no doubt about that at all. So, for our listeners out there who perhaps haven't ridden on an indoor velodrome before and and might be tempted from listening to this conversation, what would you say to them? Do it, just do it. <laughs> Yeah, don't maybe don't stand at the top of the bank corner before you start. <laughs> uh, but but look, yeah, go along, have a go because you can ride around 
it's a, at the base of the track and, and look up. But once you can ride around at the bottom of the track, your coach will then stress to you that the, the angle or the slope of the track at the top is still the same as, it, as once you get a little bit up from the bottom. So theoretically, once you can ride around the bottom of the track at a, at a safe speed, then you can ride around the top. I mean, we all, once you learn, once you do it, you know that it's not quite the same, but the feeling of riding around the top of that banking and then accelerating down on into the, into the straight where you can accelerate and use the downhill, I think that's the most exhilarating feeling on a bike that I've just ever experienced. It is, it is fantastic. Yeah, it is, it is an amazing experience on the on the indoor track. And of course, for those, I'm sure most of listeners will know that also on a track bike, you, you have a fixed gear and you don't have any brakes um, either. So it's quite a different cycling experience to being out on the road, but which which makes it feel really different as well. But yeah, I, I mean, I remember the first time that I cycled an indoor velodrome and probably very similar to you thinking, oh, what am I getting myself, you know, really wanted to do it, but on the other hand, what am I getting myself into? But after a few laps, um, and certainly after a your first hour session, it's like, I get, yeah, I want more, 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 please. Exactly. I, yeah, and it, com it complements other cycling as well, but it's a different way of keeping fit and it's different, slightly different muscle groups, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it's it, it is very much a compliment. It mix it mix up cycling as much as you can, different bikes. We've we've certainly found that if we've been away overseas and haven't been riding on the track, but doing a bit of a quite a reasonable amount of road riding, when we get back on the track, you think, oh blimey, this is different again, and you've not a total difference, but the, the types of riding, whether it be road track mountain bike and gravel, I think they're complementary, but they don't necessarily all give you the same muscle groups or the same sort of um, fitness type. Mm. Oh, definitely. Mm. I, you know, just for the audience, I have to, I've just got to say this, but I'm incredibly, incredibly proud of these two and what they've achieved over a relatively short space of time. You know, when you think... Um, you know, some, some people are, are really hammering away at cycling, trying to trying to compete for, for years and years and years. Um, these two have achieved an awful lot, which is fantastic. Oh, wonderful. And it's wonderful to be able to speak to you. So I think what we should do, Foggy, is for this um, new world record attempt, which sounds like it's um, the date is almost being put into the, into the diary. In fact, I'm sure if we continue the conversation, pushed it a bit, we probably could agree a date. <laughs> um, for it. Um, but let's let's not push it too far just now. Um, but it'd be great to follow that on the on the podcast just to get a sense of the the training that you do, Roy, to to build up to that, and then then do a, maybe a, do a special episode on on the event itself. Well, yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's a great idea. I'm, I'm, and we're not going to let them speak about this. We're just going to tell them they're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll, we'll leave leave you and your persuasive powers to um, get yeah. get them to the the right point with that, Foggy. Yeah. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, it's lovely. To, it's lovely to meet you both. Yeah, pleasure. Yeah, pleasure. That's right. And, and to hear hear your hear your um, hear your inspiring story, and and we've had a few world record holders on there on the podcast we've had we've had um 
Richard Tory, who cycled his penny farthing from Land's End to John O'Groats in the in the UK um, in four and a half days. We've had um, Tandem Wow, um, the two uh, women who cycled round the world in a tandem, and I can't remember the number of days it is now, Foggy, I need to go back. But um, yeah, it's great to have another world record holder on, on, the, on the podcast. So thank you very much for joining us. Thank you.